I was pretty shocked, actually, because the first week you were pretty blown away by the amount of resources that were put into this, right? Like I was I was blown away at how individualized it was. Literally almost like a personal incubator. Welcome to the Startup CPG podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. What could you learn from one of the largest snack companies in the world? Lonnie James from Bunny James Boxes got to learn just that this year as a member of the 2022 Collab Cohort. Bunny James Boxes makes gift boxes for people with specialty diets, allergies, and eating styles. And they provide this niche gifting solution for individuals, businesses, and retailers. They were already on a fast path to growth when Lonnie decided to apply for Mondelez International's Collab program. With iconic brands like Oreo, Cadbury, Belvita, and Wheat Thins, Mondelez International holds the number one global position in biscuits like cookies and crackers, and number two in chocolate. They've also acquired a few fast-going brands you may recognize like Hue, Perfect Bar, and Tate's Bake Shop in the last few years. Brands selected for their collab cohort get access to a 12-week program, a $20,000 grant, one-on-one mentoring, and so much more, which you'll hear about in this episode. It's one thing for me to tell you about the program, but it's another to really dig into an alumnus experience, so that's what we're going to do today. Listen in to learn why Lonnie founded Bunny James Boxes and pivoted from vending machines, why he applied to the collab program and why it exceeded all his expectations, what it was like to be in the program and how he leveraged Mondelez International's resources to help grow Bunny James Boxes, tips for applying to the next cohort of Collab, and more. Keep in mind that if you're listening to this episode close to release date, applications are open right now for the next Collab cohort. For 2023, Mondelez International is looking for startup snack brands who are delicious and disruptive, have won the attention of retailers and consumers, and have at least $1 million in annual revenue. Last cohort, three brands selected for the program were from our startup CPG community, so this could be you. Let's dig into Lonnie's story. Hi, Lonnie. Welcome to the show today. How are you? Hey, Jesse. I am doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so excited to have you here and wondering if you could start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Bunny James Boxes. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Uh, I'm Lonnie James, so I'm the head bunny at Bunny James Boxes, (laughs) which means that I'm technically the CEO and founder um, but with any any fun startup, you know, you're doing a lot more than that. And um, Bunny James is we're the leader in gifting for people with specialty diets. So you could imagine your your sister or brother or mom who just started the keto diet or maybe they're plant based or maybe one of your relatives has celiacs. Uh, there's now a gifting solution that you can feel safe with getting them a gift that they will love. And that's what we do here at Bunny James. And we do that uh, on a direct to consumer level, as well as a B2B and retail level as well. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Our regular listeners know that our household is gluten free because my husband and my mom both have celiac disease. And as I was looking at the website, I saw a lot of favorite gluten free brands. And I, you know, personally, I love this because that's something. And it's also something that we get a lot of questions at about as a gluten-free household of, you know, how do I, how do I get started in gluten-free products or what do I find or what should be my favorites? And so I love that 
you have options just catered for different diets and different uh, preferences that people are looking to incorporate in their life. That's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it kind of just came really, really naturally for us. And that's because my family is is one of those families where uh, my mom's allergic to a few odd things like avocados, eggs, bananas. My dad is diabetic. My sister is allergic to chocolate. I've got another sister who's celiac. My brother's vegan and I'm lactose intolerant. So you could imagine where this idea yeah. formula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, and today, so we're going to dig into your story. And then we're also going to dig into your experience with Mondelez International's um, collab program because you were a member of their program. And so I would love if you could tell us a little bit about like what what stage are you at right now? Like, you know, what's kind of top of mind, uh, you know, growth uh items that you're thinking about? And then what stage were you at when you applied to CoLab and started the CoLab cohort? And then we'll kind of dig in more. Yeah. So it's a little bit easier to start from where we are now. So Bunny James Boxes, we're located in Salt Lake City, Utah. We do all of our own fulfillment and production now. And this year we'll we'll ship upwards of 250,000 to 300,000 uh, gift boxes that are all all food base. And back when we first applied to the Mondelez Collab program, uh, we were probably in that 150,000 uh, gift box range. So definitely some serious growth since we initially applied. And a lot of that's probably a testament to them and, and some of the learnings that we found there. Wow, that's amazing. What year did you apply for Collab? And then when did the program start compared to now? You know, I always say that like time is uh, one of the things that I struggle with the most. You know, <laughs> People will tell me, they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Don't you remember when we, we did that, uh, you know, a year ago? And it feels like a week ago for me. So, uh, so you'll have to forgive me if I'm incorrect. But I believe we applied in a very, very early or very, very late 2021, I want to say, or mid 2021. Honestly, I'm not fully sure, but um, it was about six, it was about three to six months before we actually got in. And then uh, once we were accepted, everything just went very, very, very quickly. So, okay, great. Yeah. And that would make sense because I think the application windows last year lined up pretty similar to now. This episode is coming out first week of November applications are still open now for the next round. So that would, that would make sense for kind of the next, uh, the next cohort. So not very long ago, a lot of really quick growth. That's just so cool. And before we kind of go more into collab, I do want to dig into your founding story because I, it's on your website, but I'd love to hear from you. Like I, there's like a vending machine. Tell us more about getting started with Bunny James boxes because it sounds like really awesome story. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Uh, well, how much time do you have, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, just, just so you know, my background a little bit is uh, I always grew up in food. So I grew up in a natural food store. My mom was a manager of a small little natural food store called Lakewinds Natural Foods in Minnetonka, Minnesota. And I grew up stocking shelves and uh, helping out with store resets and those types of things. So we were we were drinking kombucha way, way, way before it was cool. And after that, I just kind of had like a soft spot for better for you food product. So right out of college, I took my first job at UNFI, which is, uh, if you're not familiar, it's the big giant distributor, the gatekeeper for all of the awesome CPG brands that want to sell at retail. And so my job at UNFI was to manage key accounts. So I was 
selling products into key accounts, you know, Kroger accounts and um, a lot of bigger accounts on the West Coast. And uh, at that point, you know, I started to get really great exposure to all of these awesome CPG brands. And um, with that exposure, I was like, hey, why aren't there any like better for you vending machines? Right. And um, I had no idea what I was getting into, but essentially I saved up had custom vending machines made, and I started having product delivered to my apartment. And uh, long story short, the vending business is, I wouldn't say a business that I would recommend anyone to get into. It's uh, really heavy on maintenance, and there's a lot of logistics to it. And, you know, unless you have a big giant vending route, there's not uh, a great way to turn a, a, a solid profit from it. So shortly after that, we were looking at these vending machines and I was like, I've got to figure out a way to buy product cheaper. And uh, that that's when the idea came to is maybe we can put these better for you products in boxes and sell them online. And um, that's when I first mar- met one of my partners. His name is uh, Madi. He, he works on the marketing side of our business. And uh, so we put together some snack boxes that were focused as gifts and put them online. And we did more in an hour than we could in a month in in my vending machines. And that's when we knew that we may have had something. And long story short, those snack boxes turned into gift boxes. And those gift boxes led us to where we are now, which is we found these these pockets, these niches right? Where, where it was like, there weren't great gifts for vegans. There weren't great gifts for people who are gluten-free. There weren't great gifts for these very specific eating styles. And it was a really underserved market, right? Because you could buy a Harry and David's uh, gift basket. But if you sent it to a family like the one that I come from, no one can eat anything, right? Like maybe one person can eat something, the other can eat something different. And I was like, wow, there's really no solution here. And there's really a market here. And uh, very quickly, we started to scale. And uh, that was my goal was how quickly could we scale this up to to really be the provider in this allergen specialty eating style market. And so we've honestly been running, tripping over ourselves as fast as we can. And we've doubled our revenue year over year since 2016 um, until this year where we're starting to to level out a little bit more because we've achieved, you know, much more significant scale. And then to add the final piece onto it is we started to get businesses coming to us saying, hey, we love how you're doing this thing that's like inclusive to diets and eating styles. And we want to be able to provide gifts to our employees. And we also want to provide that option. So, you know, we have special software and things where we work with large companies to provide gifts to their employees and clients. And um, lastly, most recently, we've grown into uh, doing some retail programs. So we've launched recently with Gelson's Markets, if you're familiar with Gelson's, Uh, Molly Stone's Markets, if you're familiar with Molly Stone's, Uh, Harmon's Markets in the Rocky Mountain region. So really focusing on these specialty retailers where we're doing a similar type of program that falls into uh, their customer rewards division that's actually going to their top customers. So it's probably the most sophisticated demo in a box that you could imagine where we are able to provide those top rewards customers with new products that we think that they would like to try. And then they go back to the store and buy them at retail. So we've really evolved as we've gone, you know, from throwing some healthy snacks and vending machines to now partnering uh, with larger retailers on some really custom, custom programs. Yeah. Wow. And do you, do you get a lot of brands reaching out to you wanting to 
you know, be featured in in the boxes for discovery? Because I imagine when you're doing the vending machine style, you're kind of buying products and putting them in the vending machine. But a lot of time, subscription box style, you know, brands are looking for for boxes that they can be in. So is that is that do you get a lot of outreach at this point as you've gained exposure? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, we've we've fought the conversation of being put in a in the no pun intended in the same box as subscription box companies uh, for a long time, just because it really wasn't what we are. Right. A subscription box company is more of like a hey, this is a one time monthly thing. Uh, if you want to work with us, you should give us free product for, you know, advertising purposes and just getting your product out there. Right. And so what we've built um, our model on is that we pay for all of the products that we buy because we've wanted a sustainable relationship with our supplier partners. And we do understand that we have like a great reach and a great marketing aspect of the business. So we're probably tougher on pricing than most. But yeah, it's been it's been a it's been great for the brands that we've partnered with because for example, if you go on Amazon right now and you search vegan snacks, the first thing that's going to pop up is going to be a Bunny James box. Mm. So but for a brand to go on Amazon and pay to be number one for vegan snacks, it's going to be really expensive for them, right? And the cool part is like our boxes go to really niche customers, right? So it's not like it's a kind of like a, a cheap subscription box where it's like people are just looking to try stuff for cheap, right? No, it's like, no, your product, if you're a vegan, let's say you're a vegan protein bar, right? You're going to vegans, right? Let's say you're a gluten-free product and you want to market to people with celiac, you're going to those people. So it's been a nice, really, really hot targeted market versus, you know, more of like a cold um, awareness play. Yeah, that's super helpful differentiation clarification. So thank you for that. And I'm wondering if you could kind of share, you know, as we dig dig in a little bit more into CoLab. So you applied to CoLab, you know, and I'm, I'm wondering kind of what were some of your expectations for the program, if you had any. And then, you know, as you get to week one of the program, you know, what maybe really surprised you or, or, you know, met your expectations compared to what you went in thinking? Yeah, collab and the expectations, you know, uh, I, I try going into new things, just try not to expect, you know, too much. So I, I guess my expectation was, hey, this is going to be cool. We'll learn from, you know, a big giant conglomerate like Mondelez, and it'll probably be super high level and, you know, more informational. And it'll be really cool to meet other people in the program and just help grow our business and to learn a little bit about how to be a better company. And I was pretty shocked, actually, because the the you can the the first week you were pretty blown away by the amount of resources that were put into this. Right. Like I was I was blown away at how individualized it was. They knew everything about Bunny James, I mean, beyond what I I had told them, right, they had really done their research. And uh, all of like the learnings and all of the mentorship and all of the uh, outside third party companies they brought in to help us was really a personalized experience. So it was almost like, how do I explain it? I mean, it was literally almost like a personal incubator, like you're in there with a lot of other founders and a lot of other brands. But they really did a good job of making the resources and the material specific to you. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. And I believe you had a great mentor experience. Can you share a little bit about like having your own mentor in the program? Yeah. 
I had a hell of a mentor experience. Sorry, I don't know uh, how language is on, on this podcast, but you can, you can yeah. say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had an awesome mentor experience. Um, I had two two mentors within Mondelez. Uh, one that was focused within strategy. So one, I mean, just to be fully transparent, right? Like one of my big biggest things that I wanted to accomplish in Colab was like, I've been chasing sales and revenue for so long that like we built a, a pretty, I don't want to say a large company, but a, a, a company that's grown revenue super quickly on a pretty shaky foundation, right? Just because like, you know, you know, and you just kind of build, fix, iterate, and you're running the whole time. And like, one of my main goals with Colab was like, I want to build a more strategic foundation for this company, or we have processes and procedures and better quality control. And I want to learn how to how to manage and build an, a, a really good organization, right? Something sustainable, something that's going to take us through this kind of recessionary period that we're in now. And that was one of my huge goals with Colab. And the cool thing is, is you get to create your goals with Colab. Right. It's not like they show you a specific thing. It's like I came to the table and I was like, this is what I, I need to learn. And I got a lot more. But my my mentor specifically, one was focused on strategy. Uh, so we spent a lot of time on that and also a lot of time on how we continue to build our B2B and our retail businesses, which are um, just a, a, a really strong business model to have as a backbone of an organization. And we came a long way with that. And then secondly, um, the other mentor that I had, uh, she is, I don't know if I should be naming names, but she is uh, an outstanding you know, president, CFO, really can organize a company. And she's done that with multiple companies, including one that Mondelez acquired a few years back. And um, uh, I still call her weekly, right? Like on <laughs> HR issues, on... Uh, you know, questions I have on our P&L, who, who is the next right hire? How do I handle this specific situation? And Colab has been done for six months, you know, and I still am calling people. So uh, that's been, that's been really, really helpful because the relationships that, that I've built there have definitely transcended just the, the Colab period, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's incredible. And did you also I've I've heard from multiple collab alum that this the community amongst the founders themselves and getting to have other people growing companies in similar stages that that's a, a big part of the experience. Can you share some about the community of being the other founders you were in in collab with? Yeah, I, I definitely can. And that's that's probably the ultimate coolest part, right? It's like prior to collab, you're eating a shit sandwich alone. And then after collab, like at least you're eating a shit sandwich together, right? You know, <laughs> you know that that all of these other people are going through the same stuff, right? Like, and let's be real. I mean, when you're a startup like we are, you're all like on the verge of dis destruction and amazing success in a day. So it's like the emotional highs and lows there are just a lot to handle. And uh, just the awareness that it's very similar. It's, it's honestly crazy how similar it is. Like no matter the business, no matter the model, like our business is different, right? It's not, we're not making a snack. Well, we do make snack products. We do have our own, but that's not the focus of our business, right? We're not launching a snack product that we're taking into retail. So ours, you know, from the outside may be different, but the experiences within the organization and what it's like being an entrepreneur, it's amazing how similar it is across all of the organizations that were in Colab. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting. And, and what kind of, 
access to, do you, you know, what did it look like? You know, you had your mentors that you've mentioned, but Mondelez has the Snack Futures team. And then you have the extended, like broad, huge Mondelez organization. Like what kind of access did you get to the Snack Futures team and then kind of the broader organization to like hone in on specific topics or, you know, I believe that it's a 12-week program, so you've got different programming each week. But kind of what did it look like to interact with the pieces of, of the big organization? Yeah, it's you know what it is? It's it's really whatever you want and whatever you make it. Like a, a, a few good examples is like we were a lot of our corporate business uh, that we do with big companies like Shopify or Google or whatever who wants to do amazing uh, gifts or care packages for, or wellness care packages for their team. A lot of times goes through like the people and benefits or HR side of those larger companies. Right. And so for example, um, I was connected with the head of HR at Mondelez, like hear her experience. Does she have, you know, connections in that world? And really anybody I wanted to talk to, you know, I didn't ask to talk to the CEO. I may, if I'm looking back, I may have requested that, but any, any person or any buddy within the company that I wanted to speak to, it was super easy for me to get connected to. And they were really willing to help. Like you can tell it's, it's definitely something that they care about internally as an, as an organization. So I never got any pushback. I like, I was always made time for, but it was really, it was important in the program to like ask, right? Like if you don't ask, there's no way for, you know, Mondelez to know that you'd love to talk to this department or love to see what's going on over here. And um, really, it was anything that you asked for in that period, you were able to get access to. Not that they were going to do the work for you, but you could at least get the information that would be helpful to your organization. Right. Yeah, that's incredible. When we've had Jackie and Bridget have been on the podcast multiple times from the Snack Futures team, and they've talked about how excited that the whole company gets about the collab program and how they can add value. And so I just think that's so cool to see the energy and enthusiasm for smaller brands and then to just kind of dedicate that time. That's that's so cool. And to hear from you that, you know, that energy was was very real and palpable. Yeah, it was it was incredible. And especially the the people who are you know, really in the Snack Futures program, like you mentioned, Jackie, Bridget, Tappan, um, it, it's, it, you can tell that they've, that they've really given their all to this program and they want it to be successful. And right, because they get a, a lot of, out of the program as well. Mondelez gets a lot of it, right? They get to see, you know, what these cool new brands are doing, what they're focusing on. And um, so, I mean, it's, it's a very like even relationship and it's, it was, it, it was an incredible experience that's for sure yeah do you have any other stories or any examples because you've experienced a lot of growth just even in the last year and i'm curious if there's pieces of that that kind of came from or that you built off of the collab experience that you could share about yeah absolutely um there was one specific experience that was really helpful for bunny james specifically and i think if you were to ask this question to all 10 brands that were in the collab, it's probably a different experience because just depending on where each business is in its life cycle, um, some things are more helpful than others, right? So with ours, they brought in a outside creative agency that did literally a full rebrand. Like I bet you if I went and bid, bidded this out, it would have been $15,000, $20,000 to do, right? A full rebrand from a creative agency. If you were to pull any of our Google or Facebook or any ads on any platform, 
you would see that content, right? Like the way that our site's being updated and changed, like every, even our, even our messaging, our taglines, everything comes from that. So really like who we are moving into 2023 is because of that rebrand that, that they brought to the table. And, and that's just because they wanted to provide those creative resources. And the cool part about it was, is you could focus on what you wanted to focus on with that creative agency. For us, it was a rebrand. You know, we were feeling a little old, like stuff hadn't been updated in a while. And honestly, it like really helped re-energize and remind me of like why we're doing this because we brought the story back to the brand. And uh, sometimes when you're working so hard for so many hours, for so many years, it just like, it's easy to lose sight of why. You know, like, wh- what am I doing here? Right. You just kind of get like glossed over. And um, that experience brought it back to life for me because that creative agency was able to work with me and like, you know, really talk about why we exist and then bring that in a really fun, playful, creative way into content. And we use that now. Yeah, that's so cool. Did and did primarily did you primarily attend sessions or did you have other members of your team also get to participate in pieces of the program? Yeah, I primarily uh, attended most of it. But as different aspects of the business were being talked about, we did loop in other people within the organization, right? Because they'll, they'll, they'll let you do that. For example, if you're talking about purchasing, you know, you can have the person on your team who owns purchasing to, you know, be there and listen in. Marketing, same thing. You can bring the right people in. So that's what we really liked is you could you know, maneuver and have the right people in the right place. But I was definitely present for every single opportunity we had to listen and then just brought in people within our organization who would be a good fit to listen to something that was more specific to what they do on a day-to-day level. Yeah. I'm also wondering about tips that you have for brands that that make it into the program just for maximizing. I think so far, you know, you've mentioned asking, asking questions, bringing up things that you're interested in, um, so I, you know, loved for if you could expand on that or, um, also just, you know, being able to, to bring team members and, and make the most of the time, but any other like tips or ways to really maximize the time in the program? That's a really good question. I would say this, and I know I would keep it simple is, uh, you know, it's, it's similar to entrepreneurship in the sense of that, like it is what you make it. So I, I came to the program with a pretty specific set of goals that I wanted to accomplish, you know, right? Like I wanted to learn how to build a foundation for my organization. I wanted to, I wanted to learn how to be a better manager. I wanted to learn how to put the right processes and procedures in place. So I didn't feel like we were always on the verge of collapsing. You know what I mean? I want, I, Mandela's had that expertise and I wanted it. And so those are the things that I came to the table with. And I believe I got absolutely that and more. Like, for example, the rebrand was totally a surprise. So my recommendation would be, uh, if you're lucky enough to get accepted, come to the table with what you want, because you really can use a conglomerate like Mondelez has the ability to help you accomplish those goals as long as you're super clear on what you want. Um, you know, and if you just come and listen, it'll probably be a great experience too. But I think the opportunity cost of that is great because, you know, they could help you accomplish something really, really specific and really, really important to your, to your business. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as the application process, you know, did you, 
Did you identify in your application a lot of these specific goals that you had? Did you develop them once you knew you got accepted? I'm kind of, it sounds like you had a lot of clarity going in and I'm wondering if that was part of your application itself. You know, that is also a really good question, Jesse. I guess thinking back, honestly, what I did is um, I think I made a really real video that I submitted and just like really honestly talking about the business and where I was at and how I was doing and what I needed help with and why I thought Bunny James was so awesome and still do. And like, I was just an honest, real video about what it's like and what I would want help with. At that time, like just thinking back at that video, I would say some of the things that I needed changed a little bit, but that was totally fine, right? Because, you know, sometimes we're able to work through things on our own, you know, because by the time you apply, you have like three or four months, maybe five months until the program actually starts. So of course, things are going to change a little bit. And so I just kind of redid my goals and redid my asks. And and uh, right when you start the program, they, they they will have a period where it's like, Hey, like, really, what do you want to achieve out of this program? And if you've done some pre-work, that makes that process a lot easier. And I think it's totally fine if your goals change, because if you know anything about startups and entrepreneurs is that like the whole world for us can change in a minute. You know what I mean? So um, it didn't seem to be an issue at all that from what I was what was on my video of what my needs were during my submission process versus what I came to had changed a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't, it, it was totally fine. Yeah, that makes sense. And from what I've heard from Jackie and Bridget when they've been on the show is a lot of times in the application, just looking for that willingness to share, you know, weaknesses or growth opportunities or just a realness with where the business is at, because then that means that you're the type of founder that their team's going to be able to work with to match you with really specific resources. Whereas if, you know, if you just kind of say, well, my business is amazing, everything's amazing, you know, we're fabulous. And you don't mention anything that you need help with. then it's, you know, then it's hard to kind of match you with the right resources and know that that brand's going to get a lot out of the program. So just that realness, honesty that, that you demonstrated sounds really key to the application process as well. Yeah. And, you know, it would be a total waste of time for them and for you if you have it all figured out. Yeah, <laughs> which, which I would be, uh, I would be surprised if there are, you know, very <laughs> many companies that have it all figured out. But yeah, I don't think you need to go into the application process, um, you know, just trying to pretend like everything is perfect because, you know, what are they, what are they going to help with? So transparency is definitely key, but also making sure to show why your business is, is awesome and why they should believe in it and why is the nest the next disruptive thing in the industry. And right, like I would, if I was running the program, I wouldn't want to bring a company in that wasn't super stoked either, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a balance of both those things. You have the the excitement and the innovation and the passion and the, the disruptiveness that they're looking for. And then also the, the willingness to show that you're ready to, to learn and grow. So that's super cool. And do you have any other, you know, words of wisdom for brands thinking about applying or deciding whether to p- apply or deciding to put this on their wish list if they're maybe not even at the the qualifications for the program yet? Yeah, I would just say apply and why not do it? Like mm-hmm. it's not difficult to make a, you know, a 2-3 minute video from your iPhone and talk about the thing that you're working on every day. So, uh, if you don't have enough time for this, what do you have enough time for because 
it's an amazing opportunity, right? Like you get to learn a lot and, you know, there's a grant associated with it. So, you know, it's a, it's a win-win. There's, there's really no reason not to. Yeah, absolutely. And worst case from what I've heard, it sounds like there are brands that apply multiple years. And if you don't get in this year, then you still have a team of really fascinating people. And one of the biggest food companies in the world that now knows who you are is tracking your progress. And when you apply again next year and show that you've made progress, just makes your your next application even more compelling. So yeah, I think that's super great advice and really appreciate that. And that that's another good point is we got a shit ton of press. You know what I mean? Like, like that was a huge for us, right? We're a small company. We don't pay a PR firm. Any press that we're getting is all natural. You know what I mean? Like it's totally organic. And to be in this program, uh, for one, like in, specifically in our business, it brought a lot of great brands that, you know, came to the table that we're now working with. Um, it brought a lot of additional press coverage. Uh, it just brought a lot of additional credibility to our business because if Mondelez is, is willing to take a chance on us, you know, and they do their research, right? Like they're, it's not just Joe Schmo, Schmo uh, you know, why wouldn't X company? So, you know, we're in a lot of like high level conversations for some of our B2B stuff that we're trying to bid out right now. And it's a huge selling point for us. So yeah, I highly recommend it. Yeah, that that actually was going to be one of my questions is how you've been able to kind of leverage the experience and the like stamp of approval that you received as far as, you know, in your retail conversations or in fundraising conversations, any other examples? Sounds like great press, great, great resource in your B2B relationship building. Any other examples? Yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of, I guess, I guess you could say we're in some conversations with some other companies about looking at strategic partnerships and different ways that that we can support each other. And a lot of these conversations are with companies that are a bit larger than us and, you know, uh, have a bit more credibility. And I do feel like the 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 Mondelez part of the conversation that had come up in the past is has, you know, kind of allowed us to sit at the same table, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Just as like they see that credibility, they know who Mondelez is. And if they don't, all I have to say is, oh, it's the owner of Oreo and Sour Patch Kids. And they're like, oh, I know you're mm-hmm. not. Right. Because they say that that Mondelez, I don't know if you've heard this, is the largest unknown company in the world. Because people know all of Mondelez's brands, but they may mm-hmm. not know the, the, the parent name Mondelez. But yeah, a lot of times that uh, we use that today and it helps us just get at the right table. And um, so we appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'd love to hear too, like what's coming up next for Bunny James boxes like the rest of, you know, this year we're getting into gift season and then next year, like what's what's kind of top of mind for you, anything you want to share about? And then also you have so many different, you know, channels. Are you focusing on anything particular in the, in the coming six months to year that you really want to grow out as far as the company? Thanks for asking. Yeah. I'd be happy to tell you about what the future holds. Uh, so over the last few months and then since leaving the Collab program, we've really been focused on process and procedures, right? Like even even to the point of where we are slowing down some of our revenue goals just to make sure that we have all of the processes in place, the right people in place, and 
that way that we can grow very, very rapidly like our goals are. And what I didn't realize prior was like, my, my goals are simple, right? We're building this business to 100 million. We want that market share. We want everyone to know about Bunny James boxes. We're going to sell, 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 sell. And what I realized is that I almost killed the business. And we're finally working through most of that pain because we didn't have the people, the systems, the infrastructure, right? We were, we were running a, you know, an $8 million run rate business on a infrastructure that was built in my apartment in 2016. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. um, we've upgraded our, uh, WMS system, right? We've got, you know, a full receiving department. We've got, you know, a a full-time inventory people. We've got, you know, like all of those things that needed to be in place to continue to scale, we've now started to put in place or have already completed to put in place. So we reduced our revenue goals slightly for uh, 2023. Um, I mean, in the sense of, of growth. And we're focused on really, really making our product better and better and better for our consumer. And I think you'll see hear about us or see a lot more of us in the uh, B2B space and then the retail space. We're planning on bringing three, four, five more uh, retail partners here in the next 12, 18 months and continuing out that program and uh, continuing to expand into more and more niche eating styles, more and more specialty diets, allergies, different things like that in our direct consumer business. So you should definitely uh, continue to see us kicking butt through the next few years. That's awesome. Yeah. And I encourage everyone to definitely go to bunnyjamesboxes.com, just spelled exactly as, as you would expect. And then on Instagram, you can go to at Mr. Mr. Bunny James to follow on Instagram. And then people can make purchases right on the website. It sounds like on Amazon. And like I said, as we go into gift season, corporate gift options, gifts for people in your lives that may have some specific diets that they follow, just lots of really, really cool options. So it's good timing for this episode as well to get this on people's uh, wish list. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for the shout out, Jesse. I love it. Oh, and we also have uh, stock. We have pre-packed stockings that I think might be available now. If not, they'll be available in the next few days. So you can get a vegan stocking or a a keto stocking or exotic jerky stocking, you know, all that fun stuff. Ooh, I love it. That's so fun. Well, this has been awesome, Lonnie. Really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing about Bunny James boxes and sharing about your collab experience and It's just really great. I know it's appreciated by our community and we really love that collab uh, and startup CBG that we get to to work together. And so to get to hear your your story was was really valuable. So thanks so much for being here. Yeah, absolutely, Jesse. Really, really, really appreciate you inviting us. If you're ready to apply to the collab program, please go to applycollab.com. That's apply, C-O-L-A-B.com or visit the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening in today. I'm so honored you joined me for this conversation and I love hearing from you all with feedback, suggestions, or if you just want to say hi at podcast at startupcpg.com or you can find me on LinkedIn. If you liked this episode, we'd love for you to share it with a friend or colleague, subscribe so you don't miss future episodes, and maybe even leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you aren't yet in our Slack community of founders and experts, we'd love to see you there. You can get the free invite at startupcpg.com 
and find all our other awesome resources there like webinars, databases, the blog, the magazine, and virtual and in-person events. And if you found yourself rocking out to our intro and outro music, which I do every single time, make sure to check out the Super Fantastics on Spotify. It's the band of our startup CPG founder, Daniel Scharf. I'm Jesse Freitag, your host and producer. And on behalf of the whole team at Startup CPG, thank you for being here and see you next week.